You're listening to the Message Talk Show, where your message matters. We interview purpose-driven, mission-centered speakers, authors, content creators, educators, passionate about what they do. Because passion brings change when you tell your story. Now put your hands together and welcome your host, Alex Gordon. Today we we have a special guest in house, <laughs> Dr. Carol Igaposi. She's a general practitioner. She's a speaker. She's an author of a wonderful book called "Fearfully and Wonderful Made: The Heart of the Matter." Today we're talking about the signs of a heart attack. We, we had this discussion about heart attacks are something that we somehow overlook. We don't talk about them. We don't hear about them. And they're like a, what we call a silent killer. But before we go there, we're in the midst of a pandemic, Doctor. <laughs> I know. How do, we, how do we work our way through this one? We're in the midst of a pandemic and nobody seems to know what to do. What's your view on what's going on? Well, like you said, it, it is an evolving condition. We're, we're all learning as we go along. And my advice is just to continue following the advice that is coming from the scientists and our national leaders, you know, as, as, and our health workers, you know, we're doing the best we can. But like you said, it's, it's unprecedented, it's new, it's novel. We're just um, doing as, as, as we can do according to the best evidence that's available to us. So, you know, the social distancing and hand hygiene and all of those things that we're being advised to do. One of the comments that were made uh, very early on was that it, um, the, the pandemic, COVID-19, seems to affect the Caribbean community, the African and Caribbean community, more than anyone else. Yes. What's your view on that? So, again, it's Black and Asian. and Black and Asian, okay. Population, more so. That seems to have a, a more adverse impact from COVID-19. And we're still searching for the exact reasons but there are lots of um there are lots of possible reasons because they recently did uh, uh, some kind of review it wasn't really an inquiry to see what some of the possibilities are genetics we're not sure whether that is but it's possible just because some of the conditions that uh, the BAME population are prone to are the ones that can make the disease more um, prone more complicated, if you like, if you get it. So high blood pressure, diabetes, all those things. And a lot is pinned on possible socioeconomic conditions. But suffice it to say, there have been a lot of doctors, for example, who are not necessarily affected by the low socioeconomic factor, but they did die uh, quicker. In fact, the first few seven doctors who died in the NHS were from the Bain population. So it doesn't quite add up. Everything doesn't quite add up. There's an argument as to whether 
vitamin D deficiencies playing a part as well. Wow. So lots of things, but we're still searching for the real answers and they said to be an inquiry done. So I hope that will be done so that we can have some, something you know, really concrete. Wow, that's, we're still searching. So there's no real answer to all of this. Yeah, but there are lots of things that are, we could say, associations rather than causes. And right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So we, we, may be, we, we may be having to live with this for another, what, six to nine months then, really? Who knows? Another year? <laughs> Who knows? My. Um, unless we find therapeutic uh, treatments, you know, so drugs that will definitely treat it. Again, lots of research is being done. I'm seeing lots of videos floating around. I'm sure you've seen lots of things or a, a, a vaccine that works, then wow. we'll have to just continue doing what we're doing. Until well, it's... talking about the vaccine, because <laughs> I remember hearing something, I forgot where I heard this, but there was a comment made um, by some doctors around the world that the vaccine were going to be tried, they were going to test the vaccine in Africa first. Oh, I've not heard that. And, and there are so <laughs> many things being, heard, being said. I know <laughs> there's, there's so, a lot of, lot of things being said, you know. So and many things being said. But conspiracy the theories as well. Yes. The important thing is that we follow the, follow the, tra the, the, the trajectory of the vaccines, how they're being made, because we know right. vaccines need to go through certain phases in order for us to know that they are safe and efficacious work properly. So they have to go phase one, phase two, phase three. And even though you might not have the know-how, just the thing is to make sure or that, or to check, you know, and be reassured that these phases are being, you know, being completed before okay. it's introduced. So, and I mean, those in authority, you know, have the responsibility really to make sure so, that that case before it is. It's a it long waiting game. Then. There's, there's no shortcut to the vaccine, really. There are some, I mean, there are some very promising ones. Um, here in the UK, Oxford recently announced that they're actually, I think they're in, entering into phase three for their vaccine, which is where it's being tested on live people having passed right. the other two phases. So there is hope, but we need to continue waiting and there is hope. pray My. that um, it will be a safe. Which, right. you know, whichever one or two or three vaccines, because they are wow. quite being worked on at the moment. Yeah. So the, the news is, guys, we have to learn to live with this. My, we have to live with it. We have to mitigate our, our interaction with other people, wash our hands, keep them <laughs> clean. You know, I was traveling recently in central London and um, we're in the mask. It's not very nice on public transport. <laughs> Yeah. We're in the mask, I, 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 and you can see the the anticipation of other people when they're on the when they're on the buses, when they're on the when they're public transport, when people walk on and don't have a mask on, and you, you can see the the terror in their faces, you know. And when you do have the mask on, and you're breathing, and you're getting hot, and you're getting bothered, I'm thinking, wow, how long is this going to go on for? So you can imagine yeah, so if the ordinary person out there doesn't really want to wear the mask because it's just not comfortable to wear it. Yeah. Yeah, some people developing, you know, facial rashes. And yeah. reactions to it. It's, it's probably even made my beard go grey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll explain the mask. <laughs> okay, so now we've got the pandemic out the way. <laughs> Let's talk about 
heart attacks. Now, yeah. there's stats out there about heart attacks, and you are the, the specialist when it comes to heart attacks. What's your story there? Okay, so I wouldn't say I'm a specialist, but I'm a general practitioner. So Okay, you know more about heart attacks than we do the ordinary person. Yes, and I've actually had one, so... Okay, so what's the story? On two levels. Yes, so in 2018, January, I was driving home from work and had what I thought was indigestion symptoms. It actually started just before I left, but there was no reason for me to think that I was having a heart attack. So I got in my car and started driving home. But uh, it didn't settle. In fact, it got worse, the symptoms. And I later had to pull over. Luckily, I was talking to one of my colleagues, uh, one of my doctor colleagues, um, using the hands-free phone, of course, so I was driving. And um, we decided I would pull over, and she called 999. Uh, They later turned up and... Yes, later on, I ended up in hospital, had a stent um, put into the, the main arteries of my heart because I was, in fact, having a heart attack. I, I don't know how much more details you want. I can tell you as much detail as you know, but that, that's the long and short of it. Um, I'm now living with the effects of having had a heart attack and having had a heart attack that was not necessarily treated on time as well, so... That's another, wow. um, so let's take it back a bit then. Let's take it back a bit because you had a heart attack. What yeah. are the signs? What, what are, are there some general signs that, that we pick up to having a heart attack? What are the signs okay, to look out so, for? Okay, so I think that most people think of a heart attack as, as a, 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 probably an older man clutching his chest and, you know, toppling over or something like that, you know, with a heart attack. But there are... Signs, signs vary from um, with individuals, but there are some classic signs. So when we talk about signs, we talk about signs and symptoms generally. So signs yeah. are what you can see when you're looking at the person. Symptoms is what the person experiences. So in terms of sign, if somebody's having a heart attack, looking at the person, the person will look unwell, maybe look a bit grey or pale, maybe sweating a lot, look panicked, maybe look unwell. Um, and um, some people might be breathing quite fast. And on rare occasions, people have been known to wheeze as well. What the individual feels is usually a discomfort. For me, like I said, I thought what I was having was indigestion symptoms. Um, it is said that you can think of the discomfort from somewhere, you from the stomach area to up here above your, about your chin level. You could have symptoms anywhere there. So it's either a pressure or a tightness or a squeezing or burning sensations as if indigestion in the chest area and that can move up to your neck in your jaws sometimes it goes down your arm one arm or two arms and in some cases it's going to move to the back or even in the stomach so those are the signs and symptoms that people will get so it's not necessarily this crushing central chest pain which is what in the textbook that comes sometimes eventually, but sometimes it's not there at all. And there have been cases where people have had heart attacks and not realized, which we refer to as the silent heart attack. So that is also a possibility. But generally speaking, people look very unwell and get some kind of discomfort in the chest area, which comes on suddenly and does not go. It doesn't wow. set. Yeah. Well- I, I was checking the stats this week in, in um, I think it's the British Heart Foundation, and they were saying that 
there's over 400, 400 heart attacks per day in the UK. Yes, yes, um, it's, it's quite, quite a few people. Sorry, I'm just making sure that my thing is plugged in. Yes, the, a lot of people um, get heart attacks. So just, I'm um, just looking at, at some of the stats that I've got here. It is um, in the UK, 100,000 hospital admissions each year are due to heart attacks. So that's about 280 admissions each day, which is wow. worse than about one in five. So one heart attack every five minutes occurs where people are actually admitted to hospital. That one heart that attack every five minutes? Mean that when somebody's admitted, mean that somebody's admitted to hospital. That doesn't mean that there aren't more because not all heart attacks end up in hospital. Not every case of a heart attack end up in hospital. Some people die. Some people don't realize they've had one. But for those that end up in hospital, it's one every five minutes, which is about 12 persons per so hour. So when you, when you said, you just said just now that some people don't realize they've had a heart attack. Yeah. Why is that? They're not very sure, but it is, it is thought to be because of possibly nerve damage. For example, people with diabetes have some inflammatory process that occurs and causes some what we call neuropathy, some kind of damage to the nerve. So it's the nerve that senses our pain. And if the nerve is damaged somewhat, people don't realize they're having a heart attack because the pain is not as much. And as well, sometimes it's just atypical. It's just, you don't think you're having a heart attack. Some people just feel unwell, a bit washed out, maybe a little bit short of breath, and it's the heart attack. But they, re they don't realize, and they leave it and carry on, carry on. And if you've not had enough damage to the heart muscle, you can push yourself and keep going until maybe something else happens where you can't go anymore, then you'll probably seek medical help. Wow. But that's, that's possible. Do you know, a few years, this is about 20 years ago, right? I'm, talk, I'm going back a few years for myself, right? But I drove by, I, I, I left work one day because I felt I was having a heart attack. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. I left work and drove myself to the hospital. Yeah? Right. Okay. Because I felt, I, I don't know why I was so, I was, I was so um, intense about this. And my wife at the time said, no, Alice, if you had a heart attack, you'd know. She said to me, if you had a heart attack, you'd know that you have a heart attack. But what you're saying is that that's not necessarily true. I could have had a heart attack and, 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 and still not realise it's a heart attack. So yes. it's best to go and check it out. Yes, that's the long and short of it. If you're not feeling yourself, if you've got some symptoms that is, you know, especially anything, to, you know, in the chest area and generally not feeling well, if you're not sure, it's best to get it checked out. I mean, this is, you know, these are the fewer cases. More people know than don't know. But it is very, very possible that you so have a heart attack. Does, does heart attacks affect different communities in different ways? Are, 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 there, are, there, are there communities which are more prone to heart attacks than others? In, in the UK, the people from Asian population are more prone to coronary artery disease or coronary heart disease, of which a heart attack is a manifestation, than the than other ethnic groups. Black people are more at risk 
of getting high blood pressure, diabetes, and stroke more so than heart attacks in comparison to the white population. So it affects different, different um, populations differently based wow. on risk factors. But it, the, the whole thing with um, African and African Caribbean is a bit, is a bit of an, a dissociation because we are prone to getting high blood pressure, diabetes, yeah. and um, and stroke more. You would think that our risk of heart of getting coronary heart disease is 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 higher, but it doesn't seem to be the case that we get more coronary artery disease. But there's no, at an individual there's no level, we've got more risk factors. But we have more risk factors. Yes, at an individual level. But as a group, we don't seem to get, to be at the highest level of getting heart attacks, put it that way. It's more stroke that people from the African and African Caribbean uh, community tend to get. Oh, what would happen, because during the pandemic, when, when all the hospital resources were, were being diverted away to COVID-19, Heart attacks was people were still experiencing some form of heart attacks or coronary disease during this time. Yes. How would they have been? How would they have been helped during this time? What would happen to them? So they again, that is one of the things that the you mentioned the British Heart Foundation earlier on, and they've yeah. been working very very hard to get people to understand that despite COVID nineteen, if you think you're having symptoms of a heart attack, you must call nine 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 or go to the hospital, because you still need to be helped. But there have actually emerged uh, quite a bit of evidence that some people have done exactly what you said, not sought help. Yeah. And it is yet to see whether the, um, the death rate from heart attacks is actually going to be higher over this period. But the message is, if you're having symptoms that you think might be a heart attack, COVID-19 or not, you must seek help because that is the bane, the backbone, you know, of, of um, managing heart attacks effectively. It is to get treatment on time as soon as possible because when heart muscles die, they don't regenerate. And the heart wow. attack is basically a, a, a plumbing problem where the, the, the blood vessels that supply the heart muscles are blocked and if the blood vessels are blocked then you can't get blood you can't get oxygen you start getting what we call anaerobic you know um oxygenation taking place meta metabolism taking place and that's what produces the lactic acid that causes the pain that we get athletes wow. will understand <laughs> that sort of wow thing. yeah but the if the muscle if that continues to happen the that area of the muscle that is not being perfused will die. The brain is starting, will get affected as well, like it did when I had. I started feeling confused and disoriented because enough oxygen wasn't going to my brain because my heart muscle wasn't pumping as it should to perfuse my brain and the rest of my body. But the heart muscle itself will die or a portion of it will die. And if that happens because of a prolonged waiting period of getting the muscle reperfused, which we usually do by putting the stent in, or sometimes they 
blocked and they 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 use clock busters because it, it's the clock in the heart. Um, that's okay, so so, so let, let, let's unravel that for the ordinary person. You've mentioned the, the stent more than yeah. once. What is the stent? So it's like a little tube that is put, it's thread through, through um, usually you, you, they enter the artery through the wrist or sometimes the groin. And these clever doctors, <laughs> cardiologists, yeah. have a way of using in instruments and like tubes to thread the, this, the, the little tube that you, you're aiming to get into the heart vessel that is blocked. But because the blood vessels are all connected, you can go from the, from the hand, from the, the radial artery in the arm, up into the heart itself or through the groin and get it into that blocked heart vessel. And when it gets there, there's a way of opening it up wow. using a balloon. And it stays opened. And when it's opened, then it allows blood to start flowing again into that artery and to the muscle, to the heart muscle that was being deprived. Wow. So it's so, basically a little tube that it's put in the blocked artery. It stays, it stays open and it will stay there for life. Wow. So with, yeah. with all the advances that we've had, it means that you, you have, you have you, you, the survival rate after heart attacks is rather high. Yes. In the 60s, I was born in 1969, so in, in the 60s, apparently, this, the statistics um, said that about seven out of every 10 people who had a heart attack would die. Today, it's reversed. Seven people will survive, and about wow. three will die. So we've, wow. we've, we've yes, we've made massive, massive uh, improvements in, in treating heart attacks. But the... Other end of that is that people who survive may then live with complications, what we call yeah. sequelae, and, you know, complications. Well, I was, I was going to ask you that. As someone who's experienced a heart attack, what is life like after a heart attack? What is life like? Look, does it change significantly? Yes, it does. It does. Physically, physically emotionally, spiritually, you know, where... We're, we're, you know, we're not just physical being. Um, so it affects your entire being. For It depends, again, if, if you've had treatment on time, the guideline is within two hours to have right. a stent within two hours to minimize the damage to the heart muscle. If that occurs, some people are almost back to normal. Once the, the cardiomyocytes, the, 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 the muscle doesn't die, you're pretty much back to normal. But most, if you've had a heart attack, it's more, more than likely you will need to be on medication, certain medications for the rest of your life. Right. If you've had a delay getting that stent in to reperfuse the heart muscle and in the process sustain um, death to the, the, the heart muscle, then that area of the heart muscle that dies, like I said, doesn't regenerate. It's not like your bone when you break your bone, it regenerates and it comes back. Heart muscle doesn't regenerate. So what happens instead of nice, healthy heart muscle contractile that, you know, pumps, you get a scarred tissue that wow. doesn't pump as such. And as such, as you can imagine, the pumping action is going to be less. Depend you can have other things happening, lots of other things happening. And so you get complications. But the most common complication in that case would be heart failure. Heart failure 
means that the heart cannot pump enough blood to wow. supply the entire body. Wow, that's 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 and, dead, man. That's wow. Yeah. So wow. That's, so so it means that things that you were you things that you were able to do in terms of exerting yourself before the heart attack. After the heart attack, you have to be very careful. You have to choose what you do very wisely. Yes, yes. Especially if you, you've got a degree of heart failure. Yeah, because you obviously, like you said, you, you're not getting enough oxygen, so you get tired more easily. Some people, depending on the degree of heart failure, it's very bad. They're always breathless. They look swollen. Their legs wow. are swollen. Yeah, and you, some people, if you've got to uh, stage four, you've got one to four at stage four, even when you're sitting down, you're panting. And in fact, the prognosis for that is worse than some forms of cancer. So if that's wow. the case, you're expected to die within the next five years, sort of thing. But wow. if not, you can live a, a, a nice, good, normal life. I mean, a nice, I, good, normal I, life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I am living you know, a, a decent quality of life. But of course, I'm very careful. I have made sure that I attended the cardiac rehabilitation sessions that, right. are, that are available. And that helps you want to learn how much exercise or activities your body can deal with and learn. I used to go to the park and say to my boys, come on, who can race me and dash off? I don't do that anymore. Oh, you don't do that anymore. Heart, my heart can't deal with that. It's too wow. sudden, too quick to... I need to build up. To build so up. So I have to warm up my heart. And I might be able to do a jog, but not that sprint. Yeah. Yeah. So I can still do things, but you just know how to do it. You just have to know what to do. And, of course, the, the, the level of work, I used to do long 12-hour shifts. That's difficult, almost impossible to do, because I get fatigued. Because, wow. again, the amount of blood supply is you reduced. You can't do that now. So I don't do as much. I do shorter shifts. So you have to do things to, um, you know, adjust your activities generally. But it does have its price because, of course, just saying what I'm saying, it has implications for your interactions with your family. It has implications for your finances. It has implications for how you feel about yourself. I've worked very hard to become a doctor. I know I can't do the shifts that I'd like to do. Yeah. I can't do the number. It, those things, of course, then start to affect you psychologically if you're not careful. So you have to make adjustments for those as well. But it's being aware that these things can happen and will happen and addressing them. Wow. Because I was going to ask you that because um, you, you just said you worked very hard to be a doctor. Yes. And if I remember clearly that your, your, your career was a nurse first. You were a nurse. Yes. Yes. So what, what caused the shift? What made you decide to, to, to retrain to be a doctor? So I'm from Jamaica, as you can see. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I grew up in Jamaica. My mother died when I was 10 years old. She, she died from, it sounds like a cancer of sorts. I've never seen her death certificate. But I remember that my mother wanted to be a nurse. She always wanted to be a nurse. She was what we call a basic school teacher. So it probably is what is akin to a, a nursery nurse. Uh, but she wanted to be a nurse. And she always talked about that. So after she passed, I decided that 
I was going to be a, a, a nurse like my mother wanted to be so that I could fulfill that dream that she didn't get a chance to fulfill. And so that is why I went down the route of training to be a nurse. But um, I then kept doing my nursing career progressed in Jamaica when I was trained. If you want to progress your nursing career, whether or not you want to be a midwife, you have to do midwifery just because of the autonomy that it gives you. And so I did mm. midwifery as well as so I'm also a midwife. And just progressing a career. Then my nursing tutors at nursing school, I really loved them. I like the way they spoke. They came from the mother country, you know. <laughs> and uh, they inspired me to want to come to England. So I wanted to come to England where these lovely nurses, you know, that I looked up to were trained. So I eventually came here. And then um, as soon as I got here, I decided I want to have a degree. Because when I was trained in Jamaica, the qualification was a certificate. Okay. At the time, it's now a degree program. So I wanted to have a degree. So as soon as I got here, I, and I had the chance, I started doing my degree. So I worked during the night, went to the uh, university during the day, and I got a degree. I did a degree in community health nursing. So I was qualified as a practice nurse. The, the, the route would be a, a health visitor, a practice nurse, or a district nurse. I went on practice nurse route. And then after working as a practice nurse, or even before then, I started thinking I wanted to do more. And the argument came up about being a doctor because I was looking at becoming a nurse practitioner and realized, you know, what the course was like. And my mentor, who I really respected, a fantastic English nurse said to me, why don't you do medicine? And it was wow. a seed that was planted in my mind when I was back in the Cayman Islands by somebody. And I explored it and realized that there was, at the time, the accelerated four-year medical program. So if you had a, a degree in a, another health, um, another health uh, a career, health degree, yeah, whether it's nursing or biochemical science or something, you could do this accelerated for. So you, have to have, you had to have a good degree. I did well. I, I had a first class honors. <laughs> so wow. I got into medical school. With that, of course, you have to do the interview and all the other stuff. But I managed to get into um, medical school. At that time, my boys were one year old and three years old. So I had two little boys. My, that's hard <laughs> yeah. work. Yes. I, yeah. And I was 35 years old at the time. So never too late. <laughs> and, um, and my husband was, was supportive. And I did it. Went to medical school managed to do the course in four years. And it's the same five-year course condensed in four years. So four then years. we had more lectures, you know, so morning and afternoon rather than just in the mornings where the, the five-year program would do. And we just, it, it was hard work, hard work. But hard work. I was driven. I wanted to do it. Um, I decided I was going to do it and I managed to do it. And hey, yeah, that's, so de that's determination. Years, Nobody can stop you. That is the power of determination. Nobody can stop you yes, to do what you really my, want to do. Yeah, my motto is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hey. And now, yeah, therein is the same. Now you're ready to preach. Now you've got a yeah. sermon coming on now. Now you're ready to, to give a word. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so so you, this heart attack changed the way... Let, let me not say change... When did you start speaking? Because I, I noticed that you stressed that you, you, know, you, you speak a lot now. When did you yeah. start speaking? 
Well, like, uh, to be honest, I didn't start speaking whilst I was growing up in church in Jamaica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As a teenager, I was teaching Sunday school. I was youth president. I was preaching, doing, you know, so it started from there. And okay. in my nursing career, I have received awards because I loved debates. I used to enter debate competitions. So I've been talking. to talk. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so it's been for a while, but um, I've focused on certainly after the heart attack on, you know, talking about heart attack, particularly in women. In women. But even before that, I feel that, you know, as a doctor in, in our community, in our church, it's, you know, I have a responsibility if anybody will listen to um, share my, my, my knowledge and to help, to help to empower people because knowledge is power. Yes. You know, and oh. I think we need to take our health Seriously. in our hands as well. You know, we need to take responsibility for our health. So our doctors, our GPs, you know, can do so much and know more, but a lot depends on us. But sometimes if you, if you don't know what to do, then you, you can't do it. So empowerment is, is so, so your specific speaking point is about educating women about their health in, in a broadest sense. Well, women, everybody in health, but at the moment I'm focusing on educating women, yeah. particularly about heart disease. About heart. Heart attacks, yes, especially since I've had this, because this is not usual. And I was 48 when I had the heart attack, so I was a younger woman. Yeah. And I didn't have any of the conventional risk factors for heart attack. If you've got high cholesterol, if you've got high blood pressure, if you've got diabetes, if you're obese, if you drink alcohol, if you eat bad, if you don't exercise, you know that there is a possibility, there's a real possibility of you getting a heart attack because you're not doing those things and you've got what we call those comorbidities that mm. would increase your risk. I had none of those. But I was a very, you know, very busy, stressed GP, you know, working hard. <laughs> working all the hours. Shifts, including night shifts. So all of those things which are not listed as conventional risk factors were there in the, the background that I didn't pay enough attention to. And somebody similar to me, I just want you to know that it can happen to anybody. Because in a million years, I didn't think I could get a wow. heart attack. In wow. fact, when I did my risk, we have a thing that we call risk calculator. We put in age, blood pressure, and all of these parameters in. And it gives you a percentage. And if your chance of getting a heart attack in the next 10 years is more than 10%, then we do certain things. We might start on statin, etc. My risk was like very, very, very low. In fact, it was said that you can expect to live well into your 80s before having a heart attack or a stroke wow. based on all of those things for me. So you might say, oh, well, that risk calculation is, 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 is rubbish and that's what we're still using. Wow. But the wow. thing is, most of the things that we put in there, we know from research and from there's enough evidence that they do cause heart attacks. It's just that it's not. So say we know 70% of what caused heart attack, but there are, there's that little unknown box, wow. you know, of things that we're not very sure about. We, didn't, we don't realize that do cause. Yeah. I, I have a question that's coming through that says, what can our community do to safeguard ourselves during the pandemic? But let me, let me take the pandemic off and say, what can we do to safeguard ourselves 
you know, health-wise as, 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 as a community? Because we're fighting a lot of different things. Yeah. Goodness. I mean, the main thing is lifestyle, adjusting lifestyle. And lifestyle pillars, I, 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 I like lifestyle medicine, is eat, sleep, move, relax. Those four Sorry? Eat, sleep. Eat, sleep, move, relax. All right. Eat, sleep, so we move, could relax. Go into a, we could go a lot into talking about diet. That's very yeah. important. You know, so basically, lots of fiber, which we don't eat enough fiber. Reduce sugar, reduce fat, especially fats, polyunsaturated fats. That's bad for you. That could be a whole session. So reduce fats, reduce sugars, increase fiber, and lots of... Um, fluids, lots of water. So in a nutshell, and there, there are some facts, there are some things that are really good for us. Uh, wow. Yes, yeah, so, so that's in terms of eating. In terms of sleeping, we should be having at least eight hours good sleep a night. Some people six. I am really, I don't know, I, I'm different. I can manage with four hours sleep and Sometimes I wonder what effect that has on me, but that's always been our aim. But we need to pay attention to our sleep pattern. It's very, right. very, very important. Um, move is not just activities, but ex activities and exercise. In fact, it's now being said that sedentary lifestyle, sitting down, is now deemed to be as bad as smoking. So not moving, not getting up every 20 minutes, for example, sitting at a desk all day is very, very, very bad for you. And even if you're not exercising moderately where you're getting tired, you need to be moving, you need to get up, you need to be moving. So that's, again, another area that we could do more detailed um, information. And, and, and relax is about our mental state, our environment, what, what's happening, you know, how, what are, what's stressing us addressing all of those things you know what's wow. thing that, yeah what's, all of this. what's stressing us out hey yeah now yeah. we've spoken so much and we haven't we haven't yet spoken about your book so for the last two minutes that we've got left i need you to talk about the book the book <laughs> the okay. book that you wrote Okay. So hold I'm it up to... so we can see the book. Come on, hold it up, man. Yes, I did. <laughs> Advertise the book. Advertise Here the book. So this is this book. Can you see it? Am I showing it, guys? Yes, I can. Put it a bit closer. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So this book I wrote whilst I was actually recovering from the heart attack. Because <laughs> I was at home and for six weeks, didn't go home. So most of it was written then. Of course, the rest of editing, etc., came after. But I did it because I, that was one of the things that I always wanted to do. I always wanted to write a book. And this was the opportunity where I had a chance to sit down and start. So basically, I thought, you know, this has happened to me. I didn't expect it. So many unknowns. So it was a way for me to express what was happening to me. And it was also a way of, of, of explaining what a heart attack is, what's happening to your body when a heart attack occurs, what are the complications that you might expect, what, what is life going to be after, what are the medications that you need to take, what do they mean, what do they do for you, all of this. So I've taken you through my journey of having this heart attack and then 
afterwards, you know, what it's how it is to or what you can do to live a, a good life, to have a life that is um, happy and uneventful afterwards, because it's possible. And I've also looked as well at the, um, the psychological and the spiritual impact. And I've called it fearfully and wonderfully made the heart of the matter, because I'm talking about the heart and I want to stress how God has made us as individuals deliberately and, you know, properly well-made, including our heart, which is made to withstand all of this, you know, and how it functions in detail just to keep us alive. So exploring the heart in, in detail about, you know, how it functions uh, and how we're just wonderfully made by our creator. Well, <laughs> and as individuals in the end, you know, as an individual, that you're a wonderful being, right. not something that just came out of nowhere without right. purpose, but you're a, and so move on. <laughs> I, I, I think you're missing your calling, but I, I think there's another career coming on here, you know? I think there's a there's a preaching career coming on here now, you know. After the speaking, after the doctor, now you're going into preaching now because uh, you, you, you want to give a word every time there. You're wonderfully made. Yes. So I am, I am awesome because I'm wonderfully made. Yes, and that, it doesn't have to be preaching, Alex. It's, it's a fact. And if we realize that, <laughs> we can live, you know, it, we can live a much, much better life, a much more stress-free life, yeah. But the Western world does not, the, the, the West does not condone a, a stress-free life. We, we, we're, we're, we are battling so many different things throughout our working life, our working day, yeah. coping with family, coping with the stresses of keeping your job. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many factors that are moving all the time. Yeah. And I'm sure, I'm sure that when you live, when you live outside, when, especially, I, I lived in the Caribbean in my early years. Okay. And I used to, I used to think that I was hard done by when my parents took me to the Caribbean when I was nine years of age. Okay. So mm -hmm. my primary school and secondary education was in Jamaica. Okay. But do you, do you know, after many years in the UK, I look back on my life and I look at my children and I compare the life that they've lived in the UK compared to what I had in the Caribbean. And I, I came to the conclusion that my life as a youngster in the Caribbean was, was so exciting. I was so free. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was so free in the Caribbean when I was young. Yeah. You know, compared yeah. to compared to growing up in the UK, compared to, you know, in the UK, you, 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 your parents are continually worried about you when you leave the house. They want to check up on where you are. They want to make sure. That, there's so many things to worry about. Yeah. 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 I think time as well is a factor. Yeah. And I'd love, it would be interesting to hear from a, a, a young person growing up in Jamaica because I'm sure that they're now being impacted with some of the same things that young people here are being impacted by, but I'm sure to a lesser extent because it's a different, it's a different oh. um, kind of environment. So you're but, saying that because of my time zone then, yeah? because of my age, when I grew up <laughs> in Jamaica, it was different. <laughs> I grew up in Jamaica as well. But, but I see my nieces and nephews in Jamaica as well, having the stress of, um, you know, social media things as well and, you know, all those things that they worry about. But I'm sure yeah. it's to a less extent, especially when you, grew up in, when you grew up in the country. Wow. But it's, it's good to acknowledge, though, all of these things that impact us 
and actively find a way to, like you said, mitigate these, these risks, these impacts that these things will have on us so that we can live our lives to the best of our ability, you know, with yes. as, as, um, as minimal stress as is yes. possible. It's hey. not possible to be stressed. Minimal stress. But, but yeah. See, Dr. Carroll says that we need to eat, sleep, move, and relax. Yes. Eat, sleep, move, <laughs> and relax. Every day, eat, sleep, move, and relax. Eat, yes. sleep, move, and relax. Do you know during the pandemic, we probably sit up, we'd be, we'd probably sat down in the house for so long without, without a lot of movement? Mm, that's true. That's very true, yeah. And that's probably affecting our health now, right now, because of yeah. the, 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 the lockdown. But eat, yeah. sleep, move, and relax. Now... Thank you so much for, for tuning in. And, you know, despite the challenges, despite <laughs> the challenges, hey, despite yes. the challenges, man, we've had a good show today. Now, I, I normally say to my guests, you know, is there a, is there a word they want to give? Is there one word that they want to share with the public? But, you know, I've, I've begun to realise that when it comes to um, my, 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 my Caribbean and African friends, when you say a word, they don't have a word in them. They, they, and it's not a sentence, they have a paragraph. <laughs> because once they start talking, it just pours out. So let me not try and restrict you. What would you say to the, to the public now, from the time that we're in now, looking after our health, what would you say? What is the, one, what is the paragraph you give to the community right now? You know, I'd say... Change is something that is certain. We're always going to have change. And this is a season. It too will pass. I can't tell you how long, but whilst we're in it, let us do the best that we can do from the information that we've got to keep ourselves as safe as possible. And like I said, eat, sleep, move, relax. Relax also means having good relationships, you know, with your friends, family, all of those things. So just do the best during this period so that, you know, we can emerge from it stronger and better people. Hey, emerge <laughs> stronger and better. Yes. <laughs> probably stronger and better, but probably having no money in our pockets either. Hey. You never know. Some people will even be better off in that way. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we can find your book on Amazon. Yes, yes. So let me just put your details up here. As we wrap up the show, you can... You can um, you can find the book, author of Fairly and Wonderfully Made, The Heart of the Matter, is on Amazon. Um, there's a website there, which I, I, I push up. On yes. the website, when you go to the website, you press the link and it takes you straight to the book. Okay. <laughs> so support, go and buy a copy of this book, read it, and touch someone else's life. Share okay. the information. Thank you so I much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Alex. I'll see you when the next book is ready. Uh, oh, oh, let me write a, let me make a note of that. When is the next book <laughs> been ready? When is the next book been ready? Huh? The aim is, to, is, is for it to be published by the end of the year. The first oh. draft is completed. It's, it's well on its way. It's well on its way. So by the end of December, there, yes. there, there'll be a launch party somewhere. There'll be a launch <laughs> yes, party yes, somewhere. Maybe on Zoom. <laughs> maybe on Zoom. Hey, guys. Hey, listen to this now. And Carol is extending the invitation to all of you to come yeah. to the launch party on Zoom yeah. by the end of December. I'll put yes? the information on my website, etc. So, yeah. The information will be on the website. And it's an exciting one. We'll be talking about women empowerment. We'll be talking about women empowerment. So, there's the website address. 
Look out, watch this website for the launch date and the launch party that you'll be invited to. And uh, she's empowering women. So she's not empowering the guys, she's empowering the women. Oh, you automatically get empowered. <laughs> <laughs> when the women are empowered, the world is empowered. <laughs> when you empower a woman, the world the gets world empowered. So the men are automatically empowered. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Isn't absolutely. that amazing? Thank you so much today for tuning into the Message Talk Show. Thank you, um, folks, for, 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 the, for bearing with us. And we just want to encourage you to view, speak, connect with us on a Thursday, 11 o'clock. Each week, we tune in to the Message Talk Show. And let me leave you with one of my favorite pieces. Don't go away. So, guys, Dr. Carol Igafosi says, eat, sleep, move, and relax. That's a wrap. Eat, sleep, move, and relax. This week, eat, sleep, move, and relax. <laughs> encourage your friends, encourage your family to eat, sleep, move, and relax. And see you next week on the Message Talk Show. Over and out. You've been listening to The Message Talk Show. If you believe you have a message, if you believe you have a voice, and you're passionate about what you do, then join us on The Message Talk Show. If you'd like to sponsor The Message Talk Show, contact us. Thank you for listening to The Message Talk Show with host Alex Gordon. <laughs>